Friday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on their line of natural medicine products and how it can improve your life on a daily basis. Uh, Not to mention, it is the holiday season, and I want to let you know about the Artisan Holiday Drive going on right now. They are collecting coats, clothes, toys, non-perishable foods, blankets, or really anything else that may fall under the uh, the holiday umbrella, if you will. 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. So if you have the means to give and help somebody this holiday season uh, and you're looking for a way to do that, uh, check out my friends Artisan Botanicals and again, join the Artisan Holiday Drive collecting, like I said, coats, clothes, toys, non-perishable foods, blankets, and anything else that you can think of at 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. All right, getting ready for a big sports weekend, although not as big as it was about 24 hours ago. Um, 24 hours ago, I was interviewing my buddy Kevin Kinder, who covers West Virginia, and we were breaking down this matchup. And literally a couple minutes after we got off the phone uh, from recording that interview, the game cancels. We got him back on. He kind of explained the West Virginia side of things, but... Oklahoma off this week, getting ready for Iowa State next Saturday in the Big 12 Championship. Um, And then, you know, later in the day, it became a really interesting situation with Baylor having, I think, three offensive coaches test positive for COVID. It kind of felt like things were looking bad or bleak for the Oklahoma State-Baylor game to actually take place. And as I record this right now, uh, it looks like Oklahoma State-Baylor is currently... It has a green light. It's going to take place. They've moved the kickoff to 2.30. So uh, we'll see. I I don't know for sure. I don't feel necessarily 100% that this is going to happen, but we'll see. If we're to this point and we're almost 24 hours away from kickoff, I got to believe that barring something pretty significant, we're going to play, but I wouldn't wouldn't bet on it by any means. Uh, So the fact that we don't have a ton of Big 12 football this weekend, uh, obviously... Um, with with Oklahoma and Iowa State getting ready to play next Saturday, we'll put a big focus on college football uh, going into next weekend. But uh, today, I'm going to talk to my buddy Will Brewer, uh, former intern uh, back in the radio days, and we're gonna we're gonna talk UFC. We're gonna talk MMA. Uh, a big pay per view card on Saturday night, and then. The UFC closes out their 2020 season with, uh, I say season like like it's a football season or something, but closes out 2020 with their final fight card of the night on December 19th, which is an incredible fight card. And I think, honestly, it's better than the pay-per-view card tomorrow night. But uh, this is going to be a really fun one. The next two Saturdays, as far as the UFC are concerned, are really good cards. It's going to be really fun to watch. And this has been a year for the UFC that has been... I mean, just a giant win when so many people are struggling in 2020. The UFC, from a spotlight standpoint, has thrived. And and credit Dana White and everybody involved for being able to put on these events, basically going back to, like, what, May. Uh, from May to this point, I mean, they've been in front of our eyeballs and on television basically every week. Uh, and, and not only have they figured out a way to manage this pandemic and still provide uh, content, but they've provided great content. I mean, we've had just unbelievable card after card after card. And I I told Will this, but I've been a, I've been a UFC fan for a long time, but I think given 
how much my job has always required me to pay attention to football. Like once football starts, basically my attention on most other sports for that matter, uh, but but especially like UFC kind of disappears until football's over and then I start paying attention again. So I always have that like four to five month period every year where I kind of like get away from the sport and then kind of have to like catch up again. But it's been kind of cool this year to be able to follow it basically uh, since they were able to reboot all the way to this point. And uh, again, credit Dana White and and the entire organization for figuring out, out a way to do this and to do it in an entertaining way. So here we go. Here is today's guest on the Colby Daniels podcast, Will Brewer. My guest is Will Brewer today as we get ready to close out the year. And and obviously, uh, in terms of college football, this week is is uh, kind of a throwaway, if you will, But uh, as we get ready for conference championships. But, Will, as far as the UFC, we're both big MMA fans, and we've had a couple of, I don't know, maybe lackluster weeks is the best way to say it in terms of the hype and the name recognition of, of what kind of fights we've had. But... The next two weekends should be absolutely blockbuster, big-time type of, of weekends to close out the year. I think they just set us up for this. You know, they're kind of just like, okay, for these next three weeks, we're kind of just going to um, – they're going to be kind of lackluster, you know, not much name value. But these last two ones, we're really going to have you intrigued. And from top to bottom on both of these cards, one's a pay-per-view, one's a fight night, they're both loaded. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, even the cards the last couple of weeks have had, they, they've suffered a lot of changes. So, like, I, I, in one aspect, I do want to defend the UFC because it's not like that That was the last two cards. That's not actually what they wanted to give us. It was just kind of the position they were put in with all of the positive COVID tests and, and all of the rearranging they had to do. But credit them for still being able to put on the events and credit even the amount of fighters that have, you know, over the course of this whole thing, stepped up in short notice type situations and taken fights that probably wouldn't happen otherwise. Yeah. So, um, I think no matter what, Dana's going to have a card, uh, no matter if there's one fight on the card, whether there's seven, six, I mean, it doesn't matter. Dana's going to have, uh, a fight and, uh, it just goes to show, and these guys are committed to him. He's committed to the fans, committed to giving us a good show. And it's it showed these last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, we saw Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. I was really excited for that fight. It got canceled. Um, so then you have Anthony Smith and Devin Clark uh, be a main event. I mean, the fight lasted about a round. But, I mean, all in all, uh, it, it's been a good few weeks, but we're definitely excited for the two weeks to come. Yeah, the Curtis Blades Derek Lewis fight was was the biggest disappointment I think of of the last couple of weeks. And then, you know, you look at the other situation with Jack Hermanson, where originally it was supposed to be Darren Till, right? And then Till drops out, and then it's Kevin Holland, and then Holland drops out. Now he's going to face uh, is it Souza? Yeah, I think on the yeah, pay per view card yeah. this weekend, and then right. Marvin Vittori steps in. So I mean, you're talking about Jack Hermanson having three different opponents in like a two week stretch. And, and ultimately, Marvin Vittori got it done in a great fight last weekend. But, I mean, wh- there, there's just never a, another time where you're going to see that sort of, like, you go from Darren Till to Kevin Holland to Marvin Vittori. I mean, stylistically, about as different a three-fighter combination as you could possibly see, right? Yeah, exactly. But credit to Jack Hermanson. He uh, didn't turn down any of those guys. Uh, as soon as they sent the contract, he was like, I'm done. I'm in. Just get me a fight. So credit to him. And like you said, three different uh, styles. Uh, Till, uh, he's more of a striker. Kevin Holland, he's more of an elusive striker. 
And then Vittori, who's just a brawler. I mean, we saw what he can bring to the table. And Hermanson was prepared for all three of those guys, so uh, definitely a credit to him. All right, so we have UFC 256 tomorrow night as, as we're recording this on Friday. Um, Nelson, or, or excuse me, uh, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. This is, uh, I, like, I'm excited about watching Figueredo fight, but I don't really anticipate we're going to see a great fight here. I kind of think this is going to be a, a dominant type of championship defense. Yeah, Figueredo, man, he's a he's an assassin, man, and you can just tell in the in his uh, facial expressions, like you can just tell that guy is a, he's a bad man, and what he did to uh, Alex Perez uh, just three weeks ago, and then uh, you you kind of expected through the how they were building the fight, you kind of like you know Perez might have a chance, man, but I remember we were talking about it and you were like, man, I just think Figueredo is <laughs> gonna <laughs> bulldoze right through him, and I was like, you know, I, yeah. Perez, you know, he's got a little bit of promise, he might be able to do something. You're like, nah, man, I think he's just gonna, you know, <laughs> start to man, and sh- and sure enough, uh, you know, I think I should listen to you more because sure enough, it took about uh, two minutes, but yeah, Figueredo got it done. But I mean, Brandon Moreno looked good too. Uh, yeah. He got um, Roy Vaughn out of there in uh, in a round two, so I mean, it's a perfect setup. But yeah, um, as far as the Figueredo uh, Moreno matchup. I mean, Moreno, he's saying all the right things, uh, but, you know, it's different when you get in there. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, look, I, I'm not going to proclaim to be an expert on the sport by any means, but is <laughs> just one of those guys for me that, that you can just clearly, when I watch him fight, he's just different than all the rest of the dudes in his weight class. Like, I, it just he stands out above the rest, and I just get that feeling like this is a dude that's special. And I, I don't necessarily step out on that limb very often, but – uh, that was the case, you know, uh, I think in the, even in the second Benitez fight, uh, when, when he won the title and then obviously a, a couple weeks ago, it's crazy that they're doing a title defense on such short notice, but neither one of those guys suffered any damage. The Brandon Moreno thing's interesting because I actually liked Roy Vall in that fight. And if Roy Vall doesn't get hurt, I don't know what the outcome is. I mean, I, I know that Brandon was, was doing some positive things when the injury occurred and, and that was really what ended the fight, but I don't know, man. I I didn't look at that and think Brandon Moreno like caused the injury, right? Like he kind of won by default. It's almost like the Cheeto Vera Sean O'Malley deal, where exactly like Cheeto Vera gets credit for the win, and and I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but I, like I don't come away from that fight thinking, holy cow, he just finished Sean O'Malley, and now he's like elevated on on some other platform. So that's that's kind of the interesting thing with Brandon Moreno, I, I think, in this is. He got past Royval, but he didn't get past Royval. If that makes sense. Yeah, he got past Royval, but it didn't really elevate his stock per se. I mean, uh, a win's a win. Uh, he needed that win to get to the title fight, but he's not doing the things that Figueroa is doing. As far as I mean, he's finished Benavidez twice, and then he starches uh, Alex Perez. Uh, and these these fights are not even close. Uh, there's Figueroa's not in any type of damage. Uh, any type of trouble, I should say. Um, my whole thing now is I want to see if Moreno can push him, can uh, take him to the you know these later rounds. But I mean, I don't. I'm trying to figure out what Moreno's going to be able to do to him because right. Figueroa's good on the feet, he's good on the ground. So like, where does Moreno kind of have that advantage? The only thing that I can see is, I mean, we know that Figueroa's had a little bit of trouble making weight in the past. So if he can push him to the later rounds and get him tired, you know, anything can happen at that point. But up to this point, we haven't seen 
figure out to even get tired at all. So it'll be interesting. The problem here, I think, is it becomes a, a, a stand-up just war, and I think if Figueredo puts one on the chin, it's it's just lights out and it's over. Uh, have we ever seen a a flyweight have this sort of power? Like, absolutely not. I mean, uh, Mighty Mouse was just head and shoulders um, more skilled than anyone right. in the division, and it showed through his. 10, 11 title defenses. Uh, Cejudo just had really crazy uh, wrestling, and that got him uh, to the promised land. Uh, but the Figueredo, his his one-punch knockout power, no, we definitely haven't seen that in the flyweight division up to this point. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy about it. You know, this flyweight division has, has started to gain momentum, and, and I think people are enjoying it now more than maybe ever. And a lot of it is because these guys just seemingly never get tired. The stamina is there. It, you know, they're very active fights, but you don't necessarily see a bunch of wow type of knockouts either in that division. And with Figueredo, like you're getting the combination of, well, I, I don't know about the stamina, but you're getting a lot of activity with that knockout power. And that's the perfect recipe, I think, to, to you know, create like a, a star in this sport. Yeah, and he's kind of got the look of a of a star with the with the way he oh, does yeah. his hair. Comes in with the shades. The shades. I mean, and then he, uh, he comes in with the silk shirts. Like he 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 has all the looks of a star for sure. And then he uh, backs it up in his fights. So I mean, yeah, the UFC's got a good star on their hands for sure. I'm uh, I'm also excited about this co-main event and. Oh yeah. Mostly because of of Tony Ferguson and just the bounce back factor after the loss to Gaethje. I mean, this is a guy that. I think has been a fan favorite for a long time, and I don't think any of us expected to see the the type of beating that he took uh, against Justin Gaethje toward the beginning of the year. But that actually feels like it was years ago at this point. But um, yeah, wild. <laughs> I, I, if you had told me at that point he was going to fight again in 2020, I would have thought you were completely crazy. Yeah, uh, Tony uh, coming off that loss against Gaethje, where. Uh, he cut weight twice in a, in about a two to three week span, and then he goes and has a war with Gaethje, and Gaethje was just landing the most ridiculous shots, and Ferguson was taking him on the chin. But after a while, I mean, a man can only take so much. I mean, he calls himself uh, El Kukui, but even El Kukui's got to uh, <laughs> feel it at some point. Um, but you know, going into this fight is is very interesting because we're really gonna see. Uh, where Tony's at at this point. He's had some time to recover, and uh, he's he's fighting a, a very um, a, a very good contender. Charles Oliveira, he's not someone to be um, overlooked. Uh, but Tony, if he wants to get back to a title shot, get back in title contention, this is a must win for him. Because if he if he loses this, you know it's it's going to be hell for him to get back. Is this a better setup for him than maybe going into? Because you know with, with- Habib kind of stepping out of the picture in the lightweight division. I think we're all kind of looking at some sort of like a situation where you line up maybe six or eight fighters or even four fighters to try and, you know, have a title fight here, but then set up the next one as well and and kind of start to arrange how this thing's going to work out. And I kind of thought Tony was going to get maybe somebody that's a little closer to the top at the same time, taking the beating that he took. Is this the better setup for him than going straight into like a Poirier-McGregor winner or, you know, obviously I don't think it would be Gaethje again, but whatever the situation would be. Is this is this the best-case scenario for Tony to bounce back with? Absolutely, because um, stylistically this is a very good matchup for him. 
And the rest of those guys, uh, Poirier, McGregor, I mean, they're just going to test his chin even even more than it was tested with Gaethje. So uh, this fight with Oliveira is going to give him a chance to. Um, I mean, Oliveira can strike, but he's he's not. He doesn't pack a punch as well as Gaethje or uh, some of those guys at the top of the division. So uh, I think Tony can go in there knowing that uh, he can take some shots. But uh, what Oliveira is really great at is grappling and uh, jujitsu. So, and that's something that uh, Tony's great at too. So I, I predict uh, Tony's going to have the advantage uh, standing up and on the ground. It could be anybody's fight, uh, just a, um, a battle of positioning and that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I will say this is the best case scenario. Uh, very good stylist and match for him. I was kind of hoping we would see Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. Yeah, that, that's where all the signs was pointing to, right? Um, Chandler wanted to fight, and Tony was basically calling him out, uh, begging, you know, putting out videos, uh, telling him, like, hey, this is the date, let's do it. And then, you know, Michael Chandler's just kind of like, ah, just cut, kind of cut weight. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of good on you right now, man. But, you know, Tony wanted to fight when he wanted to fight. And, you know, Chad is like, well, if you want to fight on that date, you're not going to be fighting me, brother. <laughs> I, I Here's the thing for Chandler. I think from a from a title shot standpoint, that doesn't make a lot of sense because Tony's coming off a loss. If you beat Tony, I think it, it shows that you deserve to be in that group. But I don't know that that win says you got You get a title shot because there's still good Justin Gaethje out there. So I think all that does right. is just maybe validates what the opinion of Michael Chandler is coming into the UFC, but he still would have to go through Gaethje. So I, I think the, he can get the Gaethje fight without having to go through Tony Ferguson anyway. So that's kind of why I think right. it happened the way that it did, but I would have loved to have seen it. And, you know, I, I never know how to feel about these guys that enter the UFC and like kind of get their opportunities really quickly. Like I almost feel like for us that, that are watching the sport, like it's almost like, we want you to validate yourself to a degree before you're just automatically like given the green carpet to the top of the division. Right. And uh, as you say that, it reminds me of uh, Ben Askren because he came into the UFC and he had to fight Robbie Lala right out of the gate, got a win. And it wasn't title shot or anything. He still had some fights to go. And then you put him in there against Masvidal and then, uh, you know, that gets halted immediately. <laughs> so I kind of think Michael Chandler is, try is trying to play his cards right because yeah. he knows he needs to, have the, the right fight that's going to propel him to the title shot. And he knows fighting Tony, especially um, with his with the weight cut and everything, he needs it to be perfect for him. So he's making sure that he has the perfect scenario for himself. And Tony Ferguson, at this point, coming off a loss, it's not really the best situation. If he waits till January like he's planning on and he fights someone like Gaethje or he fights the winner of Poirier McGregor, uh, either of those fights propel him to the title shot. Yeah. I think I'd be pissed if they just gave him the McGregor Poirier winner. Yeah, and, but uh, I think he's he's played right into the company what the company loves. Right. As soon as they signed him, he was like, "Okay, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it." And Dana basically asked him, "You want to fight Poirier?" He was like, "Yes." "You want to fight Ferguson?" He was like, "Yes." And then neither of those guys wanted to accept the fight on that date. So then Dana was like, "Hey, do you want to be the backup fighter?" And he was just like, "Yes." So Dana loves guys who say yes to him. Yeah. So if uh, if uh, and then. Three times in a row, Chandler says yes. So I think he's in the good graces of the company for sure. See, it, this division is so great. And and I've, I've said for a while, even with maybe the most dominant champion the UFC's ever seen, it's still also the best division in the sport. I, I, I hate the fact that 
even if we're talking about potentially Michael Chandler and and Justin Gaethje fighting, that Gaethje would have to go through another person to get his shot as well. Because I, I think, again, he was the first in line. He lost to, to Habib, which everybody in the division has. So I don't think that right. necessarily should make you have to go back through the line again. So, like, I, I almost wonder, two guys that would make a lot of sense would be RDA and Michael Chandler. Absolutely, because RDA is coming off that big win. Uh, RDA wants to fight McGregor, but, you know, I don't think that's uh, the right fight for him. Yeah. But um, as far as what, as far as the whole situation, uh, I think that's a perfect fight for the, for the stage that those two guys are in with the holdup at the top of the division. I think what should happen is McGregor and Poirier fight in January. Uh, the winner fights Gaethje for the title. And then you got RDA, uh, Michael Chandler, and the winner of that, you know, is one step closer to the title. There you go. And, and obviously, whatever happens with uh, with Tony Ferguson, you know, on, on Saturday night plays a role there, too, because a, a big bounce back from Tony. Obviously, I think a lot of this is, is the respect factor as well for how dominant he's been for such a long period of time. Like, he... A guy like Tony Ferguson, I think, could probably bounce back into the title picture easier than a lot of people suffering the loss that he did. Right, and uh, Tony didn't have to take that fight against Gage. Right. I mean, he was, he was pretty much being a company guy, too, because he was supposed to fight Khabib, and Khabib couldn't get out of the country. And Ferguson, and even though I really wish he would have waited, but I'm glad he didn't because we were in the midst of a pandemic, and I really <laughs> wanted to see some fights. That was a great but, card, I mean, too. Yeah, it was a fantastic card. But, I mean, that Tony Khabib fight, we were so close to finally getting that fight to happen, and then a pandemic hits. When the pandemic hits, you just have to probably just accept that that fight just can't happen. I mean, there's just something in the something with that fight that's just going to prevent it. Uh, but, yeah, Ferguson didn't have to take that fight. He was doing good on the company to take that fight with Gaethje. Um, another interim title fight, he had been an interim champion. So, I mean... Tony had everything to lose going into that fight, and he still took it. So, I mean, kudos to him. But, yeah, this fight, if he, if he is able to win, I think it'll put him right back where he needs to be, for sure. Do you like Charles Oliveira's chances here? Man, um, I think uh, Tony's just better everywhere. I think he's a better striker, better grappler, um, better with uh, jiu-jitsu. Well, uh, Oliveira might have a little bit of an edge on uh, jiu-jitsu, but it's all a matter of positioning. Uh, but I think Tony's just uh, has an edge on him. Uh, I think he's just more uh, elite. I think he's seen better competition than Charles has. And uh, in big fights, Charles has um, he's kind of uh, not been able to you know perform to the best of his ability. So uh, and Tony's been in there with you know the best of the division, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone. Um, He's been in there with Gaethje. So all the experience, all the all of the fight IQ and everything, it's all leaning towards Tony. So, I mean, I think his chances are slim, but I'm not uh, underestimating him whatsoever. He's He looked great against Kevin Lee. That uh, was a fight I thought Kevin Lee was going to win pretty uh, easily. And uh, his striking has gotten a lot better, Charles Oliveira. And he uh, was piecing up Kevin Lee for sure. So, uh, And then ended up submitting him. So, I mean, he's getting better. But, you know, Tony Ferguson is a different level. When is the last time he fought? I'm, I, was, I was trying to remember that earlier. Uh, I probably just need to pull it up. It was, was it the Kevin it Lee fight? Like Kevin, Lee, Kevin Lee in Brazil. That was like the first card that they had no fans in attendance. Um, that was the last That's time right. I believe. That's right. I'm yeah. not sure. 
yeah, I'm not sure if he fought again after that, but um, yeah, that was it. And he, he looked great. Uh, definitely took it to Kevin Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm... For, for, for some reason, I was thinking that happened pre-COVID, but... Oh, well. Well, right. It, it was right, right yeah. there. I mean, uh, right after Izzy fought Mar- uh, Romero, then that next week, you know, they started like, okay, we can't have any fans. Yeah. And, uh, then everything all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, other, other interesting fight on this uh, this main event card is Kevin Holland, who's going for his fourth win of 2020, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, Kevin Holland, man, he's another guy that's just like, give me anybody. He's he's had a, a fair share of fights this year where he's had to uh, take out replacement fighters, uh, people on two days notice, you know, uh, day notice. And he's always said yes, uh, even when it's coming to fight Jack Hermanson. Yep. Uh, he had just won a fight uh, probably about a week uh, prior to that. And he was like, yeah, I'll fight him. I'll replace him. Uh, he's a great fighter, man. Um he knocked out um, Joaquin Buckley, yeah. who uh, who was the guy who had that uh, spectacular knockout, probably the knockout of the century to, in my mind. But he knocked him out in his in that in their last fight. Kevin Holland, he's a very skilled striker. Uh, he show he's showing that he's getting better with grappling, uh, and he he's not shy about telling you where his deficiencies are. He he'll tell you like, man, I'm I'm not the best grappler, uh, but I'm gonna push you. He's so uh, long though. And, yeah, he's 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 very long and. He uses it to his advantage, and and guys really struggle to get inside because he's very elusive. He knows how to move. He knows how to use his reach. Um, but it's going to be interesting to fight, for him to fight a guy like Jacare, who's very experienced. He's, this is the most experienced guy that he's fought. Uh, Jacare uh, will take him to the ground and look for a submission. So we're really going to see where Kevin Holland's at because if he wins this fight, this really uh, propels him to the upper echelon of the division. Uh, we're really going to see – uh, where he's at with all of his skills, all of his skills. Well, he's finally ranked. He's he's 15 as we go into this card. I, I mentioned he's 3-0 in 2020. All three of those wins have come since August, which is also just incredible. Not only is it impressive that he's won three times in the UFC in 2020, but the fact that he's won three times since August in 2020 is is outstanding. And, and in, like you said, you know, he had the knockout over Buckley, I thought the the Darren Stewart fight was a really high quality fight, despite you know neither guy being a ranked uh, fighter. But I, I thought that was a really good one, and and he wins that one as well. So he's uh, he's certainly on path to get a a, a big opportunity. And I, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see him fight Hermanson at the end of the day. Yeah, because Hermanson and Holland would have been a very good stand up fight because we saw what Hermanson and Vittori did. Uh, they had a pretty good war, and it was, uh, for the most part, uh, pretty much stand-up. Yeah. So if you put uh, Kevin Holland in there with them, you know, you never know. Uh, Kevin Holland might have got him out of there. But, you know, Kevin Holland, he's, he's good, man. Uh, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Jacare approaches the fight because I don't see J- – Jacare's got knockout power. Uh, we've seen it in the past, but I really don't think that he'll want to stand up with him. I think he'll try to take him to the ground um, pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, but um, and I think Kevin Holland's going to be prepared for that. And but we're going to see what his takedown defense looks like. Yeah. I, Hermanson, I think, would have tried to do that as well. But you know, I think we would have had a, a really good idea with a high quality guy like that that it can, that can also throw if he needs to. But uh, it would have just given us, I think, a really good measurement of where Kevin Holland is in terms of takedown defense, but also being able to 
have a guy that that doesn't just do that that also can can stand up and and test you as well but uh, I like him man I, I he's a fun fighter um he's he's incredibly arrogant when he's in the octagon which I absolutely love right. like I know that rubs some people the wrong way but uh I love it I just think it makes it even more entertaining he he looks like he's just having fun out yeah. there. I mean, when someone lands a good shot, he's like, "Ah oh, man, that was, that was a good shot, <laughs> right. man, that was a good shot." And then when he hits you, he's like, "Ooh, I got you, dog. I got you." I can't even see you kind of stumble a little bit. And you know, most people say that you know that's arrogance and, and whatever, but it's just a guy having fun out there, man. Yeah, and and now he has a little beef with uh, Izzy, which is cool. And he's not shy. I mean, after his fight, he went right up to him and uh, was talking his talking his talk. I mean, that's what you got to do. And I think. That's one of the reasons why he did get a main event spot. You know, he's going to go and talk noise to the champ. Yeah, let's see where he's at. Did you hear the backstory on that, by the way? I heard a little bit of it. I'm not, I didn't, I don't think I heard the full details. I, I didn't hear the full details either, but, but just the rough idea of what I heard was that they were at some sort of event and I guess Izzy was talking all kinds of noise and like Kevin Holland just kind of like filed that away in the memory and was like, okay, I'll remember that. And then after that fight the other night, I guess uh, Izzy was like trying to like be like, way to go. Good job. And, and Kevin was like, no dude, don't try and like, don't, don't do that before. And now that I'm winning, like try to get on my good side. He's like, I don't play that way. And so uh, I just kind of love the fact that he just like filed that away so that, you know, when the time was right, he could be like, Hey man, we're not cool. And I think he he knew like this was gonna come yeah. because he knows that he's such a talented fighter. He knows he's gonna be getting these fights, and you know Izzy kind of big timed him. You know Izzy's the champion. He's got all these yep. uh, uh, super superstar qualities. The company is good with him and everything. So you know Kevin Holland knew he was like, man, uh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep this receipt. And whenever I'm on a win streak and you try to you know get on get in my good graces, I'm gonna remember this. All right, so let's let's hit one more before we move to uh, the card to close out 2020, which is, I mean, I, I think, honestly, the, the December 19 card trumps the pay-per-view card that we're going to watch this Saturday night, uh, but they're both, they're both spectacular. Anytime you can get top 15 ranked heavyweights in the octagon together, I don't care what the names are, I think for the good of the sport, people are going to watch. It's just, it's it's must-see television when you get two ranked heavyweights going head-to-head, and that's the case with the opener on the main card. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a tale of two different ages because JDS was, was great for so long, former heavyweight champion, uh, big knockout power, knocked out Cain Velasquez, one of the only guys I've ever seen do that. But he's fighting the new generation, and this guy can... This guy is very elusive. He's very athletic. Uh, Gain, he's very, he's very good. He's, he represents what the heavyweight division is going to uh, in the future. He's not very big as far as uh, you'll see like a Francis Ngannou who's 265, right. Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. He's around the 235, 240 mark, and uh, he can move. He can, he can kick. His striking is, uh, his striking is really good. Uh, this is a test for JDS. Um, if JDS wants to remain in the remain in the top, you know, six, seven in the division, this is a fight he's going to have to win. But and this is a, a good opportunity for Gain, who's going to come in and look to take his spot. Yeah, Gain is undefeated, six and zero. Uh, a win over him, I think. Just, I mean, he's he's the next guy that kind of gets to have those opportunities at the established. I mean, we we have like what five or six guys in the heavyweight division that are just kind of like pretty much set in that group that that 
we're probably not seeing a ton of movement in terms of them like dropping out, but have clearly separated from the rest of the heavyweight group. So this win, I think, for Gain maybe brings some new blood into, you know, giving you some alternative matchups than seeing all these heavyweights fight each other again, right? Because we're kind of at that point where it feels like we've already seen almost everybody at the top of this division fight each other at one point or another. And then at the at the top of the division, DC just retired, but you got Stipe, who definitely needs to fight Francis. And so I think the the top of the division is kind of at a log. Right. I think the only fight that really represents any type of uh, movement is Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Right. And then that fight That's hasn't it. happened. Yeah. So so then you have these other guys like Overeem and Rosenstrike and um, JDS and these guys who kind of just kind of just kind of there. And then you have the new blood. So I think that's what this fight is, trying to get a, a, a new contender for some of these other guys to fight. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go through our picks here at the end of this thing for, for both cards. But let's talk about this December 19th card. And I got to start with the frustration and disappointment of the main event because <laughs> we talked about this the last time you were on. Yeah. Put me in the the Hamzat Chemaev <laughs> fan club. I'm buying the hype. I've lo- I've watched all three of his fights this year. Uh, I, I'm absolutely in on watching this guy main event a card. I don't know if he was. I, I don't know how it was going to look. I don't know what the outcome was going to be. I mean, like in terms of trying to pick a winner for that thing, I had no idea, and that's why I was so excited about it because I didn't feel like I I, I really had a good sense of what was going to happen. So now you know. I don't know what happens with Leon Edwards and, and Hamzat Chemaev, but I think for for both guys, I wanted to see them back in the octagon. This is probably a better situation for Leon. I, I, like, I don't know what he was going to gain out of that fight, but I like the fact that it was happening. Uh, I'm just I'm just disappointed that that one's not taking place. Yeah, Hamzat, man. I mean, when you talk about star quality, uh, the way the way that he was going in there, just running through guys. I mean. I, I think his combined three fights was only about a minute and a half or something like that. It was something crazy. And then outside of the outside of the octagon, you see he's got such a when you talk about arrogance, like he's got an arrogant uh, personality too. Because when he was talking to uh, Gerald Mershart about their upcoming fight, it, I mean, he just kind of he really just dismissed him, dismissed his skill set, like, and he kind of he sounds kind of like. Khabib, just a more arrogant version of him, just like, man, brother, like, you you can't beat me. Like, you're not good enough. Like, and he, he was literally saying this to him, and he's sitting over there, and, he, and he's he's got all the confidence in the world. It's like, I punch your face so off. You, I punch your face off. It, yeah. it, exactly. Like, you, you, you see the confidence, and Dana loves stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, he gets a knockout in 14 seconds. After talking all that noise to him, he gets a knockout in about 13, 14 seconds. So now it it's only makes sense to put him in a main event. And, now, and it's funny that he was like, he was talking about how bad Gerald is on the ground. And he's like, you're not a black belt. Like, it's embarrassing that you're a black oh, belt. And then he just knocks man. him out and it never even goes there. <laughs> so, and I think it, he kind of played with his mind a little yeah. bit. Because when you, because when Gerald was, was, when the fight started, Gerald was kind of anticipating the shot. <laughs> right. And he left his face wide open. So Hamza just took what was given to him. And it was just a one hitter and it's over. And, you know, when Dana saw that, he was convinced, like, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take this kid and we're going to go as far as we can with him. And then you put him in there with uh, Leon Edwards. I personally, because Hamza, as far as I know, is still unranked. 
And Leon Edwards is ranked number two or three and should be getting a title shot. But and then you get Leon and Hamza. So at first it didn't make sense to me. But as I'm thinking about it, you know, as the hype was starting to go come more and the fight was getting kind of closer, I was like, okay, I can get on board with this. Yeah. And and right when I was starting to get really excited about it. Of course, it gets taken away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, I was like so excited to see this fight again. I kind of hate it for Leon Edwards because I, I, I mean, he deserves a title shot now. And you're talking about him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think when this thing was announced, Chimaev was unranked. I just pulled up the rankings. He's 15 now, so okay. he is at least okay. ranked at the moment. But I mean, Leon Edwards went from deserving a title shot to having a main event against a guy that has fought. I mean, just made his debut this year and is unranked. Regardless, I mean, as a fan, I love the fight. By the way, I just saw this. I guess this happened last night. They announced that uh, they have rebooked that fight for January 20th, so it is still going to take place. Oh, that's the same That's the same week as uh, Poirier McGregor. That's, so that would be a good week in uh, MMA for sure. But, I mean, it's, it sucks for Leon, right? Because before this whole pandemic happened, he was supposed to fight uh, T-Wood in England. Yeah. It was supposed to be a, it, it, that was supposed to be his whole his whole fight, man. Um, and with how T Wood's been looking lately, Oof. I mean, that would be a bloodbath if that happened now. Right. So, I mean, Leon was, it was looking like, you know, Leon would uh, get a win in his home country and then call out the champion. And then we get a, uh, Usman Leon Edwards fight, you know, sometime in 2020 the pandemic happens. And then Gilbert Burns gets the, gets it. And now it's, it's either Gilbert Burns or bust as far as the title is concerned at this moment. Uh, but, and ju- and it sucks for him because that could, that should have been him. And now he's having to take all these, uh, all these hurdles to get a title shot. So yeah. it sucks for him, but I mean, he's still, Hamzat is a star and this is a main event. So one way or another, it's still, um, a way for Leon to solidify him getting a title shot. Yeah. That that's an interesting division in terms of what they want to do with the champion there, because we know that, that, uh, Gilbert Burns is next, but, like, who follows that up? Because, you know, Leon Edwards, I think, is deserving of a title shot today. If Chemayev Absolutely. wins over Leon Edwards, I think, you know, it, it validates all the hype, and he's in line. And then you still have Colby Covington sitting there, which had a great five-round war with Usman and is going to draw, I mean, a ton of eyeballs. I mean, just just from the, the shit-talking and everything that he brings to the table, an Usman rematch would be a, a monster situation. So... Do you take the chance with giving somebody else that opportunity and maybe Usman loses the belt? Or do you just go ahead and let Colby have that opportunity and then the Leon Edwards Chemayev winner gets Usman after that? But you're talking, I mean, you know, that's that's a ways down the road because we still have Usman Burns that has to take place. Yeah, they're, they're going with Usman Burns. Uh, they were actually supposed to fight um, on this card tomorrow, uh, but that fight got scrapped because Usman has some injuries. But um, yeah, man, this this division is it's 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 wide open. But then again, it's not wide open because there's just so many people. There's so many people who can make a case for a title shot. And I'm hearing that uh, Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal are going to be fighting sometime soon, which would be a crazy fight. The build on that would be insane. You know, seeing those guys, you know, after all the bad blood, that fight would be crazy. Yeah. And then you got Leon Edwards and Hamzat. And, you know, I still feel like Leon was gonna, is going to get the short end of the stick here, even if he wins, because at the end of the day, Leon's not that as big of a star. He doesn't talk as much. Right. But then you have Kobe, who talks. 
with the best of them. You have Jorge, who's a big star. Usman, who's the champion. And Burns, who's looked so good. And then, you know, I just don't really see um, Leon winning in this situation too much. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's this is a bad situation for Leon, and I love the fight. I'm, I'm, like I said, I was so disappointed that it wasn't happening. But in terms of viewing this from Leon Edwards' perspective, you get nothing out of it. If you beat Chemaev, okay, you beat the number fifteen ranked fighter, like, and and you stop exactly. the hype. But like in terms of elevating yourself or putting yourself in line, I think all that does really is slow the the hype train of Chemaev more than add anything to Leon Edwards' resume, right? Like, that's that's kind of the bad position he's in here. Whereas with all these other guys, I mean, again. If Chemayev wins, he puts himself in that title discussion. If if Colby and and Masvidal fight, I mean, obviously, uh, depending on on what happens with Usman and Burns and and how all that plays out, I mean, one of those guys still probably the winner of that still probably gets the recognition above Leon Edwards. I mean, it's just it, again, it's a no win situation. I don't know why this would be a good fight for Leon to take in terms of the the business side of this, trying to get to a title shot. But uh, I, I love the fact that they're doing it. Exactly. But, you know, for Leon, I feel like the UFC definitely um, made it worth his while because they're probably going to pay him well, one, and then they probably did promise him a title shot. Now, where that's going to happen, when that's going to happen, whether he's like the next person in line, you never know because things happen with with the eyeballs that'll be on Kobe and Masvidal compared to the eyeballs that's going to be on Leon and Hamzat. I mean, Hamzat's a star. I mean, but he's new. He's fresh. Right. But And then you have Kobe and Masvidal. A lot of eyes are going to be on that. So for me, I just think uh, it's it's more, it's better for, it's a better situation for Kobe and Masvidal than it is for Leon. I just don't see um, it working well for him. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right, so because that fight is taking place in January now, uh, the main event of the final card of the year is Wonderboy Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal, both welterweights. What do you think about this one? I think this is interesting. Hey, uh, I mean, Wonderboy, I thought he was going to be the one that was going to be able to fight Leon Edwards because he's still ranked in the top five. That was a fight that I thought made uh, a lot of sense, but uh, Wonderboy's been looking for a fight. Uh, they they offered him Hamzat. Uh, Wonderboy was going to be the guy that uh, <laughs> had to take on the Hamzat train. But he turned it down, and uh, he turned it down multiple times. But he's still fighting a guy who's pretty new, who's, I, I, at this point, if I had to guess, I would say Jeff Neal's probably ranked uh, in the top eight, maybe probably like eight or nine or ten. I got him at and, 11 on here. Okay, yeah. 11. Uh, so, but... Jeff Neal, he's a, he's a bad man. I mean, he, I think he's one of the dark horses of the division. Uh, his striking is is really good. Um, I haven't really seen him take much damage. A uh, very smart fighter. Uh, I remember his, I think his last fight was against Mike Perry, and he starched Mike Perry, and he dropped him uh, two or three times. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Jeff Neal, he's the dark horse of the division to me. But, you know, he's taking on a big leap in competition with Wonderboy. Yeah. Uh, Wonderboy striking is on another level. We've seen him uh, knock out some of the best guys. Uh, he even uh, uh, took it to Masvidal uh, a few years ago. So uh, I like the fight on paper. I think it'll be a stand-up war. I don't, I don't think uh, any of these guys are going to be looking to do any grappling. 
So uh, we'll see where Jeff Neal's at, and we'll see if Wonder Boy can uh, propel himself to um, the title shock status. I'm trying to remember the last Neal's on some crazy winning streak, and I, j- I just pulled up what he did last year. He hasn't fought in 2020, but he had three wins in 2019 against Bilal, Nico Price, and Mike Perry. So I mean, I think he's he's at the point now where this is this is kind of the fight that elevates him either to you know getting those those better fights or you know, keeps him where he is, I guess. And and those those three fights, you just think about the names: Bilal Muhammad, Striker, uh, Nico Price. Uh, he's a brawler, um, and then Mike Perry was a brawler also. And he, I, I believe, he's gotten finishes in all three of those fights. But um, yeah, man, Jeff uh, Jeff Neal, he's definitely the real deal. We'll see where he's at. Um, this is a different type of striker, though, with Wonder Boy. But if he gets past him in uh, in devastating fashion, I mean, we'll have to put Neil in the in that upper echelon of contenders as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. He's uh, he's he's kind of in line. And and look, I think for Wonder Boy, this is uh, this is a big fight as well, right? Like he he had the loss to Pettis. Um, who was the other guy that he lost to? Darren Till, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a this is a big one because I I don't feel like he's recovered as far as his uh, value uh, from that Pettis fight, because uh, that, that Pettis fight was supposed to be something where it's just, you know, I'm going to come in here and, you know, get this easy win. Cause Pettis is a, is a lightweight moving up to welterweight. And, uh, you know, Wonder Boy was winning that fight. Uh, I think uh, the knockout happened in the third yeah. or fourth round. And it was, a, it was a Hail Mary. Pettis knew it was a, that he needed a, a Hail Mary to win the fight. Yeah. And uh, a Superman punch off the cage. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's as Hail Mary as it gets. Uh, and you don't see Wonder Boy get dropped like that much. Uh, it was just a, a punch he didn't see coming. He didn't expect. But uh, he hasn't, um, uh, his name hasn't been built uh, coming off that fight. So he needs, to, he needs a win. He needs a big win. He needs another big win after this one to get back in the title contention. But this is a big one for him for sure. The uh, the Aldo uh, Cheeto Vera fight also really intriguing to me, and this is a case with two guys that I, I I like that the UFC does this when they clearly see bad decisions taking place, like they don't just go by the win loss record. I mean, if they feel like you won the fight despite what the judges may say, you're gonna get good opportunities. And and you look at what happened with Aldo against was it Marais? Yes. Yeah. Marais gets the decision. I think we all thought Aldo won that fight. I mean, I don't. I. I, I don't know anybody Absolutely. that thought Marais won the fight, but uh, the, except for the three judges, I guess. Um, or <laughs> I, was that a split decision? I don't even remember. But I, I just remember being I, like, I believe so. What on earth so. just happened? Aldo clearly won that fight. He doesn't get the decision, but then he gets a title shot right against against Peter Yawn. Same thing with uh, with Chito Vera earlier this year. I remember watching him lose a decision to Song Yadong. And I'm like, oh, that was another one where I'm like, I'm just like, what the hell are they watching? Vera clearly won the fight. And, you know, the decision goes the way that it does. And then they reward Vera despite the loss with Sean O'Malley. And then, you know, this is kind of a weird deal because although he wins the Sean O'Malley fight, I, I, I didn't feel like he won the Sean O'Malley fight. You know what I mean? So, like, now all of a sudden they're, they're, they're going to give him kind of a prove it type of, of fight with, with Jose Aldo or Josie Aldo. Yeah, this is a, a a definite step up in experience. He's gonna have to uh, 
really show what he's what he's made of in this fight because Otto's going to push him. That's one thing about him. Otto's going to be in his face. He's going to be pursuing him. But I, I, I like Chido Vera's mindset. Uh, he took it to Sean O'Malley. Uh, he, he landed some really good kicks that kind of um, that kind of caused uh, O'Malley's injuries to the leg where it made him immobile, couldn't move. And then when he tried to move, he would fall. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if this is going to become a battle of leg kicks, uh, Otto's got some lethal <laughs> right. uh, leg kicks. Vera's got some uh, some good calf kicks as well. So, I mean, I think it's going to be good to see. And, uh, you know, for both guys, uh, Vera's looking to get into the upper echelon of contenders. Otto, it's been tough for him. Uh, that Peter Jan loss, I mean, he took some he took some damage in that one. But, I mean, I don't feel like Otto's done. I feel like he was looking good uh, in the first two rounds. But I think his gas tank kind of suffered a little bit. Yeah. You know, that weight cut. Yeah coming down from 45. He had trouble making weight at 45. It doesn't seem like he's having too much trouble at uh, making 35, but, you know, still, you know, that's still uh, taxing on the body. So uh, it'll, this is a good – it's only a three-round fight, so Otto will be able to push it a little more like he did against Marais. Uh So we'll, we'll see where both guys are at. I like Aldo to bounce back, but you mentioned the damage. I, I think the UFC deserves a lot of credit for – how how well they protect their fighters. That was one of the cases, though, against Jan, where clearly it should have been stopped, and they just allowed Aldo to get completely pummeled. And and I think that's kind of the exception to the rule. I know after that happened, that was like talked about a, a lot, like just in outside like the MMA world. But uh, I, I think that's kind of the exception. They do a pretty good job of not really letting that happen very often. Right, and uh, you know Aldo's a warrior. I mean, he it didn't look like he wanted to get out of there. Uh, he wanted to he wanted to win that fight, but I mean, you you do have to protect your fighters, man. And uh, Aldo was taking so much damage. I mean, he was he was intelligently defending himself, but after a while, I mean, too much damage is just too much damage. And no matter how much of a warrior that he is, you still have to protect him. So I mean, and and even Dana after the fight was over, Dana was like, "Why the fuck did he right. you know let this guy <laughs> take so so much damage?" Like. Like, damn, we should have stopped it like two minutes ago. And he was uh, telling uh, telling one of his guys, like, I'm, I'm literally getting text messages from everyone and tweets that this fight should have been stopped, uh, you know, so. Yeah. You know. Another Bantamweight fight on this card is Marais Rob Fant, speaking of, of Marlon. Man, uh, as you're going through these fights, I forgot. Like, I forgot Chido Vera and Aldo was on this yeah. card. I forgot Marais is on this card. Uh, yeah, that's another good one. Uh, Marais is coming off that bit, that loss against Sanhagen. So uh, this is a fight where there's a lot of, uh, of fights where we're really going to get to see where people are at. So Marais is coming off that fight against Sanhagen where he gets uh, spinning back kick, knockout. <laughs> and uh, I think if Marais would have won that fight, the UFC probably would have gave him a title shot over uh, Sterling because he's still ranked, he was ranked number one at the time. And uh, they hadn't booked the Jan Sterling fight right. yet. And I think they were waiting to see if Marais won. Uh, but he, he ended up losing. So, I mean, I think this is a good fight for him to get back on track. But, you know, Rob Font is no slouch at all. Uh, he's looked good in his last few fights. So, uh, we'll see where Marais is at. See where his confidence is. I love that we have Chaos Williams on this card, too. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and he's fighting... Uh, the Ox Fighter, Chaos Williams. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, Chaos Williams and uh, Michelle Pareda, yeah. I think his yep. name is. Uh, this fight has all the makings of a war. Fight of the night. 
at fight of the yeah. night. I've uh, knockout of the night. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm predicting a bonus in this fight for sure. Uh, with how unpredictable uh, Pareda is, and then how just lethal and vicious chaos is. I mean, when those styles clash, it's going to be something to watch. But I I kind of thought that Al Hassan was going to beat Chaos Williams because I I remember watching Al Hassan and just thinking of how uh, how strong his hands were right. and just how much he would because I remember he knocked out Nico Price and it wasn't even close. Like Nico Price didn't want any parts of it. <laughs> so, I'm go, so going in so going into this fight, I was like, yeah. Uh, Al Hassan's just going to pressure him, and it's just going to be a wrap. I think he's going to get him in the first round. But, man, Chaos Williams hit him one time, <laughs> and, it was, and it was over. And uh, and you can just tell he's got the makings of being a star, too, because he has this – he has this – like, when he's – when the guys are coming in the cage, like, the look on his face, like, you can tell he's thinking about violence. He's scared, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And – uh I, I forget how long the fight lasted, but it wasn't long. After the fight was over, after the fight was over, you can see Dana was just like, "Yeah, I've got something with this guy." Yeah, you remember the uh, all the promos for the Habib Gaethje fight and the the part where you you hear Rogan saying in in the most violent sport in the world, he's the most violent man. Speaking of Justin Gaethje. Like Absolutely. that's how yeah. I feel about Chaos Williams. <laughs> and on top you add to that the fact that he has the nickname Chaos and the nickname Oxfighter. Like how badass is that? Yeah, exactly, man. And he back he backed it up in the cage. I mean, when you get these knockouts in the, in, the, in your first few fights like your debut fight, you kind of just think like, "Ah, you know, he, you know he fought a guy he's clearly better than." But when you be when you knock out a guy who's known to be a a knockout artist in the fashion that he did, like that's that's definitely saying something. I'm excited to see it, man. Yeah, that's going to be a great fight. And and look, Greg Hardy, for that matter. Speaking of of violent fighters and and guys with bad intentions, uh, Greg Hardy's on this card as well against uh, Marcin Tabura. Man, I I didn't know. I forgot Greg Hardy's on this card. And Greg Hardy looked great in his last fight. Um, yeah, I forget who it was against. Uh, but he. Uh, he's he's in the camp with uh, Rashad Evans now, and I think Rashad Evans has really got him uh, a lot more discipline with his striking with that and with how he uses his energy. He's not just out there head hunting like we've seen him do, and he's kind of he kind of gasses out after like the first round. Yeah. Uh, now his at least in his last fight, his approach was uh, a lot more calculated, and the knockout presented itself, and he took it when it came. So I think that just go that's a credit to Rashad. And I think uh, that's that's a credit to the evolution of Greg Hardy, but he's got a good fight uh, with uh, Marcin Tabora for sure. Uh, Tabora is going to make him use his skills. Uh, we're going to see where Greg Hardy is at, definitely. Yeah, Murray Screen was the last fight for Hardy, and that, I mean Murray, that just felt like it Murray was Green. a couple weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, bouncing back quickly, and then in the welterweight division, Anthony Pettis is on this card. Uh, Bilal Muhammad is on this card, like. This thing is loaded, man. Yeah, it's loaded. Uh, Pettis, man, and uh, I didn't know that he was fighting on the card. I think that fight just kind of yeah. Just I think came he together. was a late ad. I, I don't even think he was on there as late as like last week. I think this yeah, is a really recent lost, thing. Yeah, I think they lost that Hamzat and Leon fight, and they just wanted to get another fight out there. And and it, that's just another credit to how this year is with uh, COVID in twenty twenty. And then you know guys are just willing to step up on short notice and take these fights. So, uh, you know, this is an interesting one for Pettis. Uh, 
Pettis definitely needs a win. Uh, I mean, he did beat uh, Cerrone. I think that was his last one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I don't think Pettis has looked that great. Uh, uh, he doesn't really he, – he, his grappling and everything, I, he's too easy to get taken down and everything. I don't feel like his, uh, his striking is where it used to be. So this is a big one to see where Pettis is at, too. And uh, he's fighting Alex Morano, who fought um, a few weeks ago as well, who got a big win. So uh, not a big name, but definitely an intriguing matchup. Yeah, I was trying to remember who he fought. and I forgot who he fought, but I believe I'm kind of blanking. Uh, oh, it was, uh, it was um, the guy that... Uh, I think it was one of of uh, the guys that Hamzat Chemaev took out this summer. Oh, um, John Phillips, maybe. No, I think it was one of the other guys. He also has a loss to Chaos Williams, by the way. Uh, that is uh, Alex Morano. He got an loss yeah. to Chaos Williams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Reese McKee. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Reese McKee. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't didn't. Uh, okay. Isn't that one of the Chamaya victims, Reese McKee? Or am I making that up? Uh, I, I think that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, it was. He, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, he lost to well, Hamzat. We're putting, we're, well, this guy fought Hamzat. This guy fought Chaos. Let's put them together. <laughs> right? Yeah, each guy has a loss to two of the, the future stars of the sport. Let's, uh, let's give them a consolation prize. That's that's just uh, easy matchmaking right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, look, dude. I, I the next two Saturday nights, I you know we're getting big time matchups, and like I said, it's almost I almost wish because December nineteenth is is championship Saturday in college football. I almost wish these two cards were flip flopped, and we had the December nineteenth card tomorrow night and the UFC uh, pay per view two fifty six on the nineteenth. Because I'm looking a little bit more forward, I think, to the the final card of the year. Absolutely, these two cards are uh, are outstanding. Uh, but the last one, and, and just imagine if uh, Leon and Hamzat was still the main event of this card. Like we we probably wouldn't have even talked about the this, uh, the card tomorrow. Like uh, all of our all of this show probably would have been mostly about Leon and Hamzat. Just even with the fight not taking place, we still covered Leon and Hamzat a lot. But imagine if these guys were yeah. on the road to, to fighting. Like we would be, <laughs> we would be a uh, juice for this fight for sure. But uh, still, from top to bottom, the December nineteenth card is loaded. Um, I think they could have they if they could have just switched, they could have put Figueredo and Moreno on the nineteenth card, and then maybe just like moved Ferguson and Oliveira to like a five round main event, and then like made a, the nineteenth a pay per view and the twelfth a fight night. That's simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But look, I mean, regardless, uh, big, big closeout to the, uh, the best year the UFC has ever experienced. And it's crazy that, that this is the best year that they've ever experienced. And we're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, we've had cards, UFC cards every Saturday, uh, mix in a few Wednesdays, probably a, a couple of Saturdays off, but, um, UFC hasn't, they haven't missed a beat, man. Uh, and even with main events falling off, uh, yeah. random fights here and there falling off, um, numbers, the fight numbers getting down to like six and seven, uh, 
the UFC hasn't missed a beat, man. They've uh, put on these fights, and these fights have delivered. Uh, that I don't think there's been one card where I'm just like, eh, you know, nothing happened. You know, it was just a fight. Like, but all of these cards have been, uh, they've, there's been something on the cards to take away from. And, you know, to close out the year, uh, we're definitely getting treated. And then we'll have, Two what? Uh, two three weeks off, and then yeah. they're right back at it. I heard uh, I heard John Anik saying the other day that 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 two, that three week period or however long it's going to be between the nineteenth card and then the first uh, reboot of of twenty twenty is going to feel like an eternity because we've kind of been spoiled this year where we've had so much. I mean, the longest period of time that's gone by is like a week, and there have been you know we've had weeks where we've had contender series going on, we've had you know Wednesday night fight cards. Like, there was one point during the summer where we had three cards in, like, an 11-day period, including, yeah. like, a massive pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, it's, like, after the 19th, it's going to feel like we are without the sport for, like, it's, it's going to be like the offseason almost. Exactly, but, I mean, uh, selfishly, I would like them to keep going. But, I mean, I'm sure that these guys, these workers, these UFC workers, these fighters, uh, everyone just needs, like, a little break. Because they've been going uh, nonstop uh, contender series, pay-per-views, fight nights, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Like, they're going, they're going nonstop. So I think at some point, you know, it's okay for them to take a break. And selfishly as fans, we want them to keep going. But, I mean, if they, if they ever deserve a break, now is definitely the time. All right, let's, uh, let's make some picks for this UFC 256 card taking place tomorrow night. Uh, we'll start with uh, the opener on the main card. So give me your winner and how you think they win. So if it's knockout, like round and knockout or decision, uh, whatever. So we have heavyweight, Junior Dos Santos, and Cyril Gain. Um, I like I like Cyril Gain. I like where he's uh, I like where he's headed. I like his fighting style. I'm gonna go um, Cyril Gain by a. Uh, Second round knockout. Okay, I'm I'm same for me. Only on the other side, I'm I'm taking JDS in a second round knockout. Uh, I think this is one where these guys are so different. I feel like we probably watch them just kind of feel each other out for five solid minutes, and then yeah. in the second round they they take a little chances. But I think the experience wins out. So all right, I like that we're on the opposite side of the fence to start this thing up. Okay. All right, middleweights <laughs> Jacare Souza and Kevin Holland. Ah, man, that one is so tough to call because I wish I knew about Kevin Holland's takedown defense. Okay, I'm going to go Kevin Holland. Um, first round knockout, Kevin Holland. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I, think, I think he's going to shock him, yeah. <laughs> I think that he's going to have to spend the entire fight just – I mean, doing what he can to to keep Sos off of him. So I'm going to go Kevin Holland by decision. Okay, okay, that's not bad. I mean, as long as he can keep Jacare off of him, yeah. and uh, keep it on the feet, there's no. Uh, I don't think there's any way uh, Jacare wins. But if Jacare gets him on the ground, man, <laughs> it's going to be a yeah. short night. Yeah, it'll be over if that takes place. I agree. Um, all right, women's straw weight and full transparency. I've not seen. Uh, I, I don't even know the pronunciation correctly. Verna Jandaroba, Yandaroba. I, I'm not sure what the pronunciation is. 
uh, and Mackenzie Dern. And I'm, I'm just simply going Dern because I don't know much about the other one. Uh, but I'll go, I'll go Dern decision. Um, I don't know much about the other one either, but I, I've seen Mackenzie <laughs> Dern fight uh, a lot. And uh, just judging by how most of her fights go, I'm going to go uh, Dern by second round submission. Okay. I'm predicting some finishes. Man. I like some it. Finishes. I like it. <laughs> All right, the is is Ferguson Oliveira considered the co-main event or is? Yes. Yeah. All right, so we have uh, Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira, lightweight bout number three, number seven. I I love this fight. I'm really excited for it. Okay, uh, my streak of uh, predicting finishes will come to an end here. I think uh, Tony Ferguson wins uh, by decision. I think it's. Uh, I think he runs away with it. Um, and I think he gets back on track. I think he uh, he had a, a stretch where he was making guys' faces look uh, rearranged. I think that's kind of what we'll see with uh, Oliveira. I think Ferguson by decision. All right. For the first time, we agree completely. Ferguson decision for me as well. And I have a feeling we're probably going to agree in the main event as well. Uh, and this just goes back to my uh, how much I, I enjoy watching Figueredo dominate uh you know, the flyweight division being as heavy-handed as he is for that division. So, no surprise, I'm sure, for you, for me to pick <laughs> Figueredo with a first-round KO. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to go against you on this one, brother. Uh, I'm going <laughs> with Figueredo on a first-round knockout. Well, I'm, I don't even know if I want to say a first-round knockout. I just think it's going to be a first-round finish okay. because we've seen that Figueredo is, is good on the feet and he's good on the ground, so... I'm predicting uh, a Figueredo finish in the first round. I think Moreno just the reason I'm picking a knockout is because I think Moreno tries to to just outstrike him, and that's that's not where I think best. it happens. <laughs> recipe yeah. for not not the best recipe for success for sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I that just you're playing into it. You're playing into his strength, but I mean that's kind of Moreno's strength too, isn't it? It is a strength, but. Moreno doesn't have he doesn't pack a punch right. as well as Figueredo. So um if they're if they're going toe to toe and we're exchanging punches, uh I think Moreno's gonna be the first one to drop. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like I, I Moreno I think will will be able to hit him. I'm I'm not saying that he won't, but I just think when they start trading punches that uh Moreno gets the worst end of that. It's a different kind of power, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, my friend, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll uh, I'll certainly be texting you on Saturday night as as we watch this thing play out, and and uh, better believe that every time I get one right, you're going to hear about it. Uh, but Absolutely. yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> for sure. And if if Gang gets that gets that first round knockout or second <laughs> round knockout like I predicted, you'll be hearing from me as well. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a if, if Gain. If, if it's exactly right, if Gain knocks out JDS in the second round, I'm just blocking you immediately. <laughs> well, just know, I'm, every form of social media, you'll be hearing from me. So <laughs> I'll go from the text to the Twitter to the Instagram. <laughs> All good, my friend. All good. Hey, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really happy you were able to join me. It's been it's been fun uh, just catching up with you, A, but but B, just, just talking about uh, MMA and, and everything that's happened this year. Because like I said, it's... It's been a it's been the best year in UFC history, but like for me as a fan of the sport, I've never been able to like completely engage in the sport the way I have this year where I've not had as many like football obligations obviously, plus we had that long period of time where 
um, there was nothing else happening, which which is really nice. But I told you last time you were on with me, like it's one of those things where I feel like every year, I, like from about January through July, like I'm paying attention and I'm loving it. And then football season starts. And when you do like all day Saturday pregame shows and, and you're spending most of your week watching football, right. just it becomes really tough um, to, to follow the sport as closely as I would like to. So not having to do that or not, not being uh, paid to do that anymore, I guess, uh, the way that I was has allowed me to, to, you know, stick with it longer than, than normally would be the case. But uh, it's fun to catch up when, and talk UFC. Absolutely, man. And uh, I appreciate you giving me the platform, uh, having me on, uh, being able to talk UFC. But, man, what a time to get back into the sport. Like, if there was ever a time for you to really, like, sit there and really, like, get back engaged with the sport when there's fight cards every Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're really able to really get back in and, like, okay, this guy's good. You got you got your uh, champions, Usman, um, uh, Stipe, all these guys. But then you have your your new blood, your uh, Hamzats, Chaos Williams, and these guys. Like you said, it's the best year the UFC has ever had, and – there's so much to look forward to in 2021 and uh, I'm excited for it, man. I'm ready for it to happen. Amen, my brother. All right. We'll catch up soon. Uh, you'll be hearing from me on Saturday night when my picks are spot on. <laughs> and you'll be hearing from me when they're not my brother. <laughs> Will Brewer joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products on the website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Uh, educate yourself on what they have available and how it can improve your daily life. You can order online, easy and safe pickup. Again, abotanicalcompany.com. Uh, also, want to remind you, currently going on right now, the Artisan Holiday Drive. Uh, if you're looking for a way to help others this holiday season, you have the means to help others this holiday season, um, you can absolutely help out with the Artisan Holiday Drive. They are collecting coats, clothes, toys, blankets, non-perishable foods, or anything that's that's Christmas-related, uh, holiday-related. Um, so if you want to help out, we would absolutely love for you to help out. You can drop that stuff off at 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. Again, the Artisan Holiday Drive. That is the address to Artisan Botanicals, 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. All right, no pregame show, obviously, on Saturday with Oklahoma, West Virginia being canceled. So uh, the weekend off, but I will be back on Monday. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. And I will talk to you Monday. Okay. <laughs>